Welcome to Build the Invisible, a podcast hosted by me, Daniel G, where we explore career journeys of today's most successful professionals. Each week, we sit down with guests to discuss the challenges they faced and the lessons that they've learned along the way, from dealing with failure to the importance of being patient and listening to others. We uncover the strategies and mindset that have helped our guests build successful careers. Join us as we delve into the stories of those who have persevered and achieved greatness in their fields. I had the pleasure of speaking to ex-footballer and managing director of Engage FS Sam Sloma about starting small, habit formation and perspective. Sam is a former footballer and current managing director of Engage FS, a boutique financial advisory geared towards helping sportsmen and women, young professionals and entrepreneurs build wealth for their future. The podcast was entitled, I'm not trying to hit targets, I'm not trying to take over the world. I hope you enjoy it. We just had a brief chat, Sam, when we started about uh, luck. I, I, I actually talk about this quite a lot in the book a bit, actually, is the truth about either, um, you know, in general terms or specific terms. And you're, I'd be, and I'd just generally be interested on your view on luck generally or whatever you want to call the term luck. Well, I think there is elements of luck in, um, in my life specifically uh, and in a lot of people's lives. I think that being born in England in a free society, um, in a country with free healthcare. Uh, in a in a family with two loving parents that did well and were you know gave us or gave me a comfortable upbringing is luck you know that there are there are areas of the world you could be born into where your opportunities are much harder than than the ones I was given um duly based to where I was born um you know coming through um education and growing when the internet was being sort of first established but but was starting to become a tool for networking um, to build, you know, personal brands on social media or, you know, all those other things, there is luck in that and timing. You know, you couldn't have chosen that. That's part of the parcel um, or part of the package. So, you know, I do think there are elements of luck that people overlook. Um, you know, a lot of people are, uh, work hard and they get where they get from working hard, but there are also elements of luck in it. So I don't think there is, it's just about working hard. I think sometimes the hard work presents luck and presents opportunities because you've worked hard, but there are just some fundamental things that, you know, you've been born in the right time or with the right family or the right upbringing or the right country. And, and so there are elements of luck to that. So, you know, I, I, I know, and I trust in my own ability to work hard, but I'm also thankful for some of the things that have been given to me and, and I just have luckily fallen my way. So a few things from that. Um, and I, I think it was you that, um, a while back, and this is what you were talking about timing and uh, other other types of issues generally. When we first um, properly uh, chatted um, in advance of when I came on your great podcast, and we talked all about, um, I think we I think we talked about mindset, didn't we? Like a little bit along those lines, and I, I and we talked about I think if I remember correctly, things to do with positive mindsets, fixed mindsets, growth mindsets, the idea of you know. Um, controlling what you can control thinking if there are things that are outside your control fine but once you're in your own circumstance how you positively embrace what you can then do as a result 
And in a way, that's what I found really interesting from our conversations, which sparked lots of interesting recommendations that you gave me on podcasts and on books and on lots of stuff, which is which is fantastic. There's one thing that um, I read relatively recently by a guy called James Clear, who wrote a book called Atomic Habits that yeah. I really like. And he was talking about, um, as well as mindset, about the, the compounding effect. And that, that, in a way, I find links sometimes actually more with luck than, uh, than a lot of other stuff where he, he tries to explain and explains really well about how um, all of the little things that happen that you do over a long period of time compound into big things which can make substantive changes and differences in your life, in your work, in whatever else it, it might be. And that where some people couch that as that was lucky to be there at the right time or was lucky for that person to speak highly of me or was lucky that that person knew about the work that I could do or the service I could provide or the competency. That actually is the manifestation of compounding to some degree. If it's getting better at something, if it's networking better, if it's building your understanding of the topic, if it's building particular habits or otherwise, that is the positive reflection of being in the right place at the right time for Lux force to take its effect. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I love that book by James Clear, um, and I'm quite big into habit formation as well because compounding effects are quite difficult for, for humans to understand. Um, so if you think um, of, you know, in my world, financial returns, the compound effect is, is just astronomical. It's hard to, um, to really fathom if you just looked at the numbers without understanding the compound effect of returns. But compounding effects in everything. So it affects relationships. It affects hard work. It affects studies. It, you know, all of that learning, it compounds over time. And without putting in that, that foundation and building on the, the, the basics to build, to build, to build and to grow, you know, it, it doesn't take effect. And when compounding hits, as I said before, in the financial sector, it's huge. And so, you know, we try and do a lot of habit formation for people because if you can get people into good habits um, and keep things relatively simple, that is enough. Um, and it sounds crazy, but that it really is to, to continue doing the basics over and over and over again, like you said, compounds to, to really bring effects into people's lives in all different areas. So tell me then, maybe if it's two separate questions, but part of the same one, um, how, how do you manage to convince others to be able to make sort of these micro changes that help compound situations? And in effect, then also, I'm not sure if it's that way around, how have you managed to do that in your own business life or otherwise? And what are the things that have ended up being quite useful and almost life-changing in those type of areas? Uh, well, I'll speak personally first because it's easier for me to answer. So I think the big, the two big areas it's had impact on me is firstly, when we spoke a few years ago about growth mindset, I became, um, I became, I was going to say enthralled. That's not quite the right word. I, I just became fixated on what I was doing and really started to enjoy it. And I started to enjoy the learning element of what, of what I do. And the ability to enjoy learning and to enjoy the, the, you know, the process of getting better and actually understanding more. Because I think, you know, when you're a little bit younger, you think, you know, quite a lot. And then as you get older, you realize you actually, you know, very little about 
um, about a lot of things. So just the ability to to learn and enjoy learning has really expanded my habits because now one of my daily habits is I listen to probably, I want to say an hour or maybe two hours a day of something, whether that's a podcast or a book or whether that's physically reading a book, that stuff is learning for me. It's all, it's very rarely recreational. And whilst I love the recreational side of things, I actually prefer the learning stuff because if I'm learning and I'm listening, it's just, it's what pleases me. So that is one element that's been really useful for me over the past five, six years, really, when it's really started to develop. And that's really helped me grow. And the second is relationships. So um, I've done quite a lot on happiness and, you know, being comfortable myself and building relationships with my wife and with my children and with those people around me really has compounded and helped me. Uh, in my life as in general. So I spend quite a lot of time developing relationships with my wife and my children. And that sounds mad, but they're fundamental people in my life. And I, you know, if something were to be wrong with the relationships with those guys, it would have a huge impact on my health and my happiness and all my other things. So I spend time developing those relationships. And again, simple as it sounds, that has paid dividends because I've got a super happy home life, which allows me the time and space to do everything else I want to do. So those two, from a personal perspective, really have been um, instrumental in my last five years of progress. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the steps we've taken, not, not, you know, in terms of numerical returns, but in, in just a feeling of being comfortable where I am and what we do and the way we do it is brilliant. Then, you know, for other people and, and trying to get other people into those things, but that, that's part of our job. So, you know, we help people from a financial standpoint, but we help them with organization. We help them with structure and strategy. And so part of that is to get people to do the things little and often that we ask them to, because we have seen and we've got firsthand examples of little and often over time and what it looks like. And so we can really try to help them visualize what they're doing and what it's going to achieve. And, you know, the, the, the cold light days, people pay us to help them keep on the path. Because those habit formations and that compounding effect you know, is worth paying for in certain areas because, you know, the compound effect returns on their life or their livelihood or their finance or whatever are just astronomical. So that's really where we, you know, we help people do it by we, it's not a forcing mechanism, but they do pay us to keep them on that straight and narrow. And uh, yeah, and that's what we do. And then if I can ask that bit to do with, if it's um, uh, habit forming for clients and then, relationship building for the for the closest people to you how and how do you go about some of those um networking and bd techniques from a either compounding or relationship building respect so one of the things that i um uh in a nice way plagiarized from you because it was you did it so brilliantly was all the podcast stuff that you've you've done for a number of years and in effect really you've got a lot to answer for is the truth because um yeah, I, I started that process and, and, I've, and I've done various podcasts and stuff like that myself. But actually, you were the one that recommended guys like Seth Godin and Tim Ferriss and lots of other guys that I'm pretty, pretty religiously follow and really enjoy um, doing. How, you know, you're not a typical um, uh, advisor compared to, you know, people generally out in the market because of the business development stuff that you've done. I presume when you talk before about, learning and enjoying sort of and just doing the, the the word that sprung into my head was curious to know more 
that's where I sort of got from what you just said. Maybe I'm wrong in what I'm sort of saying, but in a way, as a result, that almost means that you're pushing boundaries constantly on lots of different things. So if it's, if it's podcasts, if it's doing things in different ways, if it's modeling things in a new business strategy or otherwise, is that something that obviously is an enjoying enjoyment part of what you do? Yeah, I think, um, look, firstly, thank you for the compliment. I think, uh, I don't know if, I think you were, you must have been ahead of me, or if you weren't, you're way ahead of me now in terms of the, the networking and stuff you do. You are highly prolific uh, and one of the key people to look up, look up to and look out for, for sure, in that stuff. So um, you've definitely taken it on a level. I think in terms of the relationship going back, one of the things that when we talk about luck v. judgment, I have always had... Um, a fear of not being, I don't want to say not being liked, but I've always wanted to do right by other people. And I've always wanted, you know, people's opinion of me is quite important. So I've always wanted to leave people with a good impression. Now that's whether they do business with me or not, or I try and help people. I try and make sure that I put out good stuff in the world because I think it will come back to me. And I've had that since I was young, since I was early, sorry, mid teens. And I I remember it because I was quite a spoiled kid. Um, and then remember sort of changing that I want people to, to have a good impression of me. And that has definitely compounded. And so from a business development perspective, I think people have uh, will utilize me or they'll come to me for advice or because they've had those years of, of either recurring, he's a good guy or he's a good person or he helped me or he helped this charity. And that's not um, necessarily, it wasn't all calculated, but it's all been part of a strategy to, to be a good person, uh, first and foremost. And again, that sounds a little bit big-headed. It's not meant to, but that has been part of my repertoire. And uh, engage in the business with the same way. You know, if, if clients want to leave, that's absolutely fine. No problem. We'll have a conversation and we'll help them do it. If they don't want to continue with us or if someone doesn't want to come on board, if someone's got a problem, well, you know, we will try and help because if we can help people, it will leave a good impression with them. So that kind of stuff has stuck and helped from a business development standpoint. The other side of it is, look, I, I, I want to do things I think are fun and I think are cool. And if they don't work in terms of business, it doesn't really matter because I'm having, I'm trying to enjoy and I'm trying to grow. It's sort of, there's no pressure on that stuff for me. I'm not trying to hit targets. I'm not trying to, you know, take over the world. You know, knowing that enough is enough uh, and doing our best work and trying our best is enough. You know, it doesn't, we don't have to have results on everything. And taking that pressure off myself is quite useful. Um, you know, I know when I'm doing well, and I also know when I'm not doing well, and I need a bit of a kick up the backside. So being able to self-manage is really important. Okay, I'm going to go on to just something you mentioned there about um, people's opinion. you saying people's opinion of me is important. Um, and I wonder whether, because that, again, that sort of focuses on one particular area that we, we talk about quite a lot, which is, um thinking of the other um in business and in life i guess generally but i guess specifically in business in the sense that one of the things that i talk about in there's a chapter about um networking and building relationships and a lot of the time um you know i'm sure you'll get it as well or we'll be asking favors for where people will say please can i have work experience please can you do something positive for me which is great or you know how did you do this or how did you go about doing that and a lot of the conversations that I try and have with people who ask those type of questions is that actually that great that you've made that initiative, but actually a lot of the time you need to flip the conversation to be thinking about how to help the other 
because ultimately, you know, I, I don't totally believe what you're saying is you get in what you put out, but thinking about the other effectively means that you're thinking about being in the other person's shoes, the other person's um, behaviors, the other person's strategic decision. And someone emailing me and saying, please, can I have a job straight off the bat is a difficult proposition to say yes to. And a lot of the time, if you want to be able to improve networks, build relationships, etc., what you need to think about is what the other person needs from you, not vice versa. And, and if I talk about that for a second, but then go on to a slightly other point, which is I think what you do really well, which I'm not doing very well at the moment, is listening. And um, that actually a lot of the best conversations I have with people are when I'm listening to their needs, thinking about what they are interested in, building the relationship based on what's going on in their world right now, which then allows me in time to digest that information and then understand how best to be able to help as a result. Now, which there's anything there that you want to sort of take in. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that I was taught when I started in this business 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago now, the guy who ran the business that took a chance on me initially used to say to us, think me and Adam who worked together, think like a businessman. Okay. That, and uh, we used we used to laugh about it at the time, you know, that sort of doesn't really mean anything. There's, there's sort of no specific business thoughts that you can have, but his point actually, which now is, is much more relevant is think about how exactly you said, how you can help others. What can you do for them that is going to build your relationship? And so whether that is referring them some one or something, whether it's being thoughtful around you've read something and this might be of interest to you or, um, you know, trying to find out what someone's pain point is so that you can help that. Um, and that's really one of the key elements that I've taken from is, is think about how you can help someone. What can you do that is of value um, to someone? And then you will get things back from that person because you've become valuable. So when you talk about a job, there's a lot of people in the world that say, um, if you want to get a good job, find out someone, find someone you admire, find someone you love. What's the worst thing they do? or their worst part of their day or their job, and how can you do that for them and take that away? And so that's some advice that I've, you know, I've not necessarily done myself, but I do think that's quite useful. If someone came and said to me, and this is a yeah, free advert, but if someone came and said to me, you know, I'm going to build your podcast schedule for the next year and I'm going to invite all the guests and get all the guests done, here's what it's going to cost you. I'd probably say, that's amazing. Thank you very much. You know, jump on board. So it really is about trying to find where someone's pain points are and how can you relieve that pain for them? I, I couldn't agree more. And I think there is such opportunity in the world. I'll give you a very brief example. A guy did exactly that, um, a guy called Bart, who now works alongside me for all of my content and podcast business. Um, and he's now works with probably about 10 of my clients because he's done such a great job, not necessarily because of me, but because of the content that he's done, um, which has you know, been fantastic. And he's you know now basically got his own business off the back of one email to me saying, do you need some help with this? Which is fantastic. Yeah. And, and creating that opportunity and seeing that, um, seeing that um, small um, window um, it is something that can put you at a, dis a massive, massive advantage. And it's only by thinking of the other are you able to actually put yourself in that advantageous position. Uh, yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. Um, the other bit that you were talking about beforehand, just very briefly, was um, habits as well. So if you can just go back quickly, I know it's sort of flip-flopping a bit, but um, 
yeah, you, you introduced me to a lot of the stuff around that Tim Ferriss talks about, um, that James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits, that other people have um, uh, written and spoken about at length. Are there particular, are there particular things that you do, um, or um, that you have seen occur either in the workplace or stuff that happens on a day to day basis, which you know you're actually like, you know what, I'm so glad that I do this, or I'd like to do that a bit more, or you know, are there particular things that you build into your routine that that make that disproportionate difference on a sort of daily basis for you, or am I sort of just you know being too um, airy fairy? <laughs> No, it's interesting. So some of that that airy fairiness is um, it feels airy fairy until you actually analyze what you do. And then you realize, actually, that, that kind of is what I do. And all of that stuff is important as habit. So it's a bit of a weird one. It feels airy fairy. But the reality is the reason we do it and we do it on a regular basis is because part of what we do. Um, so give you some examples. So my, my day is pretty structured. Um, and that's why I, lockdown was so difficult for me because I, I i'm a routine guy so i'm up broadly the same time every day help the kids get ready for school i then take the kids to school i then come to work i then go and get a coffee from costa and then and then my day is ready so i've, I've taken the kids i've helped them i've helped mrs s the kids have gone to school and then then my day is starting so coffee in hand ready to go okay i always have a walk after dinner at night 15, 20 minutes with the dog listening to something or thinking through something. Or sometimes one of the kids comes with me now, they're staying up late. So every night I have a walk, which helps me digest food and just think about the day. And then throughout my day, I usually go to the gym about four or five, because then I know that some stuff might come in during that time, but I've always got the rest of the evening to sort those things out if I need. So that's just a bit of structure to my day. Now there's no habits in terms of actual, you know, I've done one financial plan a day because when I do 365, the 365th will be better. All of those things help my day to flow because it allows me the time to do the things I want to do, but also work and make sure all my stuff is done. And I'm not worried about if I missed anything, if I'm not replied to anyone. And so that structure and the habit of getting those things into place allows each of my days to have everything I need within the day. And that sounds weird, but I need time to walk because I need time to just think or I'm not thinking about anything else. I need time in the gym because I feel mentally good if I've been to the gym. Um, I need time with the kids because I want to have, the, you know, if I don't have all of those, I, you know, someone explained to me, it's like the four burners. You've got family, friends, fitness, work, and they're four burner rings. You, it's very hard to have all four pumping at one time. So you can have a couple, but then the other two are dimmed and not working. I try to get the balance around all of them to make sure all the areas in my life are, are covered off because otherwise I start to feel a little bit claustrophobic that I'm missing out on something. So, you know, the habit of my day is, is important in itself just to make sure that I'm ready and clear and focused on what I'm doing. And so there's a, a great book that I've, I've read some of, and um, it's called uh, when by a guy called Daniel Pink. He's written a really good, a really, really book, great book that I've really enjoyed called is, um, it's called uh, To Sell as Human. Um, and he wrote another book, called, I think it's called When, and it's all about when people are most productive throughout the day and how much that changes according to different personality types of people more generally. Um, I, I know for me that I'm, I'm good um, relatively early morning until about 11. And I know that 
Um, I'm pretty good quite late at night as well when I have less distractions and that, that sort of household is asleep to a degree. Um, and that's because in the morning, um, I sort of have the highest energy levels, I think, and the highest concentration levels for a particular period of time. Do, do you sort of um, uh, time your day around particular proactive actions that you know you need to do? And then the reactive stuff, which is respond to emails, deal with issues, problem solve, you know, be solutions orientated on stuff, or, you know, does that all just come within that routine that you've already talked about? Um, well, it's all part of the routine. Um, I think there's always reactionary elements of things that are going on in any given day. I think with young children, you know, you know that things change or one of them's ill or, I don't know, they've got to pick, get picked up. So things change throughout the day. Um, and, the, that you know, the habit and structure of my day really helps that. The thing that that is good for me is being able to sit uh, at a quiet point of the evening and reflect. Um, and whether that's things I've got to catch up on or, you know, just be able to look through and then sort of calm my myself to say, right, all done. Or I know I've got to do this for tomorrow. Or I've got to set myself out, um, set my stall out for tomorrow, whatever it is. That's really useful. The other thing is I've, I realized quite a long time ago that I'm quite good when I've got a deadline. So if you say to me, Sam, I need you to write a speech um, in three weeks time. If I wrote it today, it would be terrible. Whereas if I wrote it with two or three days to go, it would be much better just because when I know there's a deadline, I know I need to get it done and I can focus on it. So I've come to terms with leaving things till quote unquote the last minute because I'm better in that way. Whereas other people like to be really upfront and get everything done and sort of park it. I'm better when I know it needs to be done. And if it's not done, there's going to be a problem. And that's sort of how my mentality works. So uh, are you saying then in a way that you're better in, pre in, in more pressing pressurized situations? Is there something is that something from football background in terms of routine and pressure, or is that just, you know, a trait that you've then developed, which is uh, urgency equals excellence to a degree? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd frame it in that way. I, I think it's my personality likes to think, right, I, I need to get something done. So let's get it done. Um, if it, if it's too far away, I just think something else will come up and take its place. So I'm, I'm quite, again, pressure is, um, is relative you know these aren't life or death situations that we're leaving till the last minute it's uh it's stuff that i know i can get done and i've got enough time for but i'm better when i've got a time deadline and it's coming towards that rather than it's just open-ended because uh things come up and i'll procrastinate and push those away so can i ask one other just a couple last questions um only because i know you're sort of you've got a lot going on but also because i don't want to um bore you with my annoying questions generally no i like them they're good it's good conversations tell me about distraction i'm really interested in this idea um of so one of the ideas of this book um is that like it's really important to try and if, if the, the general thesis is and i probably should have said this up top is you know if you want to do if you want to get into a particular passion sector if it's football or music or film or tv or you know fat, whatever else it might be that one of the really important elements is to build your knowledge of that particular sector whatever it is so that in time you get to understand the nuances more um you you know the more you know the more you want to know and the more there is to know and that when then you're networking and speaking to people about the particular industry you've got interesting things to say and interesting questions to be able to to ask um but but as a result of that it becomes really important to 
build your knowledge and the way to do it is because we've got this amazing ubiquitous thing you met exactly as you mentioned in the beginning called the internet where there is so much interesting and valuable content out there that no one will ever get through as much as it possibly can even myself in the football industry if i read every single football article there was that would be useful i'd just never be able to do it so the point therefore being is that if the, the first step is to try and immerse yourself with reading or writing or listening to particular content as you do um, that then there's a very difficult and but fine balancing point between doing that and then also being distracted by everything else that comes along on the way from, you know, everyone's phone, everyone's tablet, whatever else it might be. Do you, do you have particular habits or particular things um, that enable you either to switch off completely from, from stuff, um, if that happens at all, um, or that you have certain routines or things which is like, right, this is family time, this is like my downtime from... Um, uh, from my phone this is my time where I'm going to separate from it etc and does that make you more productive or lesser yeah good question this is, this is something I struggle with as well um, so I have started turning my phone off um, and just trying you know the phone is the biggest distraction um, and looking at screen time and those kind of things and there are periods where I just turn my phone off because I need to concentrate on something and I think when I get that feeling where I'm either a bit uncomfortable or you know, I, I need to get myself out of my comfort zone. I, I just turn the phone off because that's the biggest distraction for me. It's WhatsApps. It's, you know, I have, I've turned most of my notifications off. I think the only one I've got is a ringer. Um, someone sent me a thing recently about how to, to make your phone less, um, uh, not scary, just how to make your phone more into your yep. tune to you. Um, so I've done loads of things on that, which has been quite useful, but it is really, yeah, switching the phone off and knowing that I've got to concentrate and making sure that I do that. So again, I'm not too harsh on myself. I think most of the time I get the balance right. Um, there are some times where I wish I would turn it off for a bit longer or I turn it off a bit more, maybe when I'm with kids. But if there is something pressing, you know, you, you want to help a client out or you know someone's going to call, you know, part of our job is to be there for those people as well. So everything is about finding a balance um, but knowing when I'm feeling uncomfortable or anxious because I've got to get something done, the phone just gets turned off straight away and I need to get it done. So it's, it is really about just making sure that when I feel like that, the phone goes off and I, I do what I need to do for, for me or for the family or for whoever it is at that point. Yeah. I, I, I think also because a lot of the stuff that we do from a marketing or business development perspective can also be, from social and from the internet generally is that I sometimes conflate the two, which is almost you end up being like, right, I'll post something on Twitter and then you see the football news and it's 25 minutes later. Um, and that's, that's a discipline I'm yet to manage in the same way that I know that if I need to do some work or I want to do something in the evening, the worst thing I can do is sit down early and watch Netflix because I know my propensity to stop the next episode on Netflix isn't great. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that distraction causes further distraction for me. So um, I need the reward of doing the thing and then watching Netflix or doing the thing and having the reward of the thing you want to do first, because I know sometimes I'm not strong enough to do the, the reverse of it. Yeah. I, I'm actually okay with that stuff. I've, I've, I, I still love a series, but I'll only watch if, if my stuff's done. Um, or I'll watch and I'll do my stuff whilst I'm watching and I'll keep one eye on it. TV's become much less for me. Um, the socials, Twitter and Instagram, I've taken them off my phone, so I only look at them from a desktop. 
Mm. Um, just because, you know, the truth is they're not that important. Um, nothing really changes. Uh, so sort of I, I get the stuff that I want from them, but I'm, I'm trying to be a master of them rather than them being a master of me. Um, and that's one of the things I still need to improve on. But as I said before, you know, the best things in life compound and relationships and the relationships you have with people are, you know, to me, the best thing and the best determinant of happiness. And so I'm trying to to make sure those are the number one priorities uh, and make sure that they're always first and foremost. I like that. I might have to do the same with Twitter and Instagram. I think that's um, a very sensible idea. It's definitely cut my usage of both. I mean, it just, I was just scrolling on Instagram or Twitter for, hey, it's just nothing changes. You know, if I look on it once a day, I'll get the same amount of stuff that I need. Um, there's not enough going on in the world. I really need to see it. And if there is, I'll find out about it because someone will tell me or, you know, it will be new. So it's sort of, that stuff isn't really that important. Last one for you. So um, this is Tim Ferriss inspired. Um, so, the yeah, the billboard. So and there's sort of, um, I don't want to spring one on for you, but actually in what a couple of the interviewers have actually said where they'd like the billboard to actually be in terms of a location. I'm fine with location or not. Um, but yeah, I think it's the, and I've had, we've, had some, we've had some really good ones, not to put the pressure on you just yet, but um, <laughs> well, I say good ones in terms of really simple ones like, um, one of the persons I interviewed, Jordan, she said for her um, uh, quote, it was like, recommend books to others. And when she said that, I was like, yeah, it's, a, it's actually just a really nice, beautifully simple one, because it means that you've had to have read them, you've had to have digested and really sort of been inspired or resonated with them and then and then passed them on, which I sort of quite liked. But um, Yeah, I saw this one. This is a tr tricky one for me because there's so many things that I'd love to say. Um, so many things that, you know, resonate with me, um, whether that's quotes from favourite books or motivational uh, talks. Um, it's, it's a really difficult one to find something that would be sort of me encompassed. Um, I think, again, I, I try and frame a lot of things, whereas, you know, when, I, when I'm old and I'm looking back on my life, what am I going to be most proud of? And I'm almost certain that it will be the relationships I have with my family, my children, my grandchildren. Um, and so using, you know, putting the um, effort and putting the emphasis on children and life and relationships is really going to be what, what gives me enough foundation for, for happiness in life. So something along the lines of, of that or, you know, focus on what's really important for, Focus on what really matters in your life. Everything else will be okay. Or something along the lines of Steve Jobs. It's very hard to look going forward, but looking back, all the stars will align. Um, yes, I'll have to come back to you with uh, with something that, that resonates from those. No, I, I think that, I think the first point you said there, which is absolutely right, is that I think people disproportionately focus on the things that are disproportionately less important. Thanks for listening to another episode of Build the Invisible with me, Daniel G. We hope you've enjoyed today's conversation and took away some valuable insights and lessons. If you'd like to learn more about the strategies and mindset discussed on the show, be sure to check out the book, my book, Build the Invisible, and the accompanying BTI journal, both available at www.buildtheinvisible.com. We also encourage you to leave us a review 
and subscribed to keep up to date on future episodes. Thanks for listening.